Okay, y'all. Welcome back to the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast, episode 22. I am your host, Steph Four. This week, I am so excited to have the very talented and new to Walla Walla, Chef Elodie Lee. Chef Elodie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited to do this. Oh, man. Yeah. Her first podcast ever, she told me, <laughs> which true. makes me feel very special. She's young, though, so... Yes. I'm sure it's the first of many. Um, we are sitting here. Chef um, Elodie is the executive chef at the Kitchen by Abeja here at Abeja Winery in Walla Walla. And it's pretty new, right? It is. Yeah, we opened. Oh, my gosh. We opened July 15th officially. Okay. About 10 days after I moved here. Okay. Yeah. You had like just, just gotten here. Right. Yes. And um, so... We really want to talk a lot about what you guys are doing here. It's very special, a very special winery and a beautiful, um, beautiful little resort too out here in Walla Walla. But before we get into everything um, that's happening here and this really exciting new uh, program that you guys are doing, let's let's talk about you a little bit because I know you are originally from the Seattle area. Are you mm -hmm. from Are you from Kirkland? I am. Yeah, I was born in Kirkland. Okay, and yeah. you have you've cooked in in France and done some really exciting things. So just walk us through, you know, your, when you realized you wanted to work with food, falling in love with food, you know, what first sparked your interest and just kind of lead us through your career up until this point. <laughs> um, well, my career hasn't been as long, I think, as people realized. Um, it kind of just fell into my head out of nowhere. Um, I, I've always loved food. Um, I traveled for the first time internationally, I was three weeks old and never stopped. No. Um, my parents are both immigrants, my father from China and my mother from France. And so they have always been huge about traveling and exploring and kind of just going out and seeing all the corners of the world. And so I've always loved food and food was always my favorite part of going to different countries and experiencing them. And I always felt that when I was really like dipping into the culture and trying all these unique things. That was always my favorite part because it was always the piece where I felt like I understood a country that I could have never been to or mm -hmm. even researched about. Mm -hmm. But by sitting down and having authentic meals from anywhere from street food to yeah. Michelin star restaurants, I feel like you understand a certain culture because it just, it's all your senses at once. Um, so I've always loved that. And I was going to go into business. Um, I was at UW for a while and um, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but out of nowhere, I kind of just told my parents I want to go to Le Cordon Bleu. It started as a hobby thing. Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to like learn how to cook, but from the basics. And mm -hmm. I found myself, you know, waiting to get out of my regular classes to be able to go to my Le Cordon Bleu classes. And I would like draw my recipes during business line ethics. <laughs> and I kind of one day after like a year or two, this was like, mm, if I'm spending this much time naturally, like my brain just gravitates towards food and the industry and all this stuff, maybe that deserves a little bit more of a, of a deeper look. Yeah. So I spent some time and I was really introspective about it. And I was like, you know, I don't want to spend my life doing something I don't love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even though I liked, I love business and it does tail in now into yeah, my work. And so it's not like that education was ever wasted, mm -hmm. but, um, this is something that's constantly passionate. It's innovative. It's exciting. And I announced to my parents, I was like, I want to be a chef. <laughs> I literally said it like that out of nowhere. I don't think I'd ever expressed that before. And they weren't very pumped about it at first because, you know, they're so traditional. And um, I think it took them a little bit off guard, everyone. 
but yeah, since I did, I started when I, so when I was 21, mm-hmm. I jumped ship. Um, and I started at Kirkland in Volterra oh, okay. for Don yeah. Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a really amazing Sicilian chef. We're friends to this day. I can call him anytime with questions. I did it a week ago for mm-hmm. pasta. He's, um, he was my chef and now he's more of like a mentor slash yeah. lifelong friend who mm-hmm. shares this, this, you know, industry and passion with me. So that was really great. I stayed there for two years. I started in Garde Manger and ended up a sous chef. And, um, then it was my time to leave and I wanted to travel. And so, um, I traveled for a bit and I kind of situated myself in the South of France where I worked for three years in three different restaurants with really great chefs. And that was where the education like really stepped yeah. in. Yeah. What kind of restaurants were, were you just cooking like traditional French restaurants or different kinds of cuisines? What, um, tell us a little bit about those places. So the first restaurant was actually, I had actually researched it from here. It was the restaurant for Aix-en-Provence, which is 30 minutes north of Marseille. It was Ronan Kernan's restaurant. He had been in, um, on top chef and all this stuff, kind of like mm-hmm. a little bit of a celebrity chef, beautiful restaurant on the Cour Mirabeau in the center and it just piqued my interest even before I had even been like mm-hmm. I knew that was the restaurant I wanted to be in. it took some time with the paperwork and people are very enthusiastic about a young yeah. chef who's American yeah yeah um and then I finally got my foot in the door and he you know gave me a chance I started as a comi so a step above a plongeur you know washing dishes mm-hmm. spent the first three weeks just peeling apart you know snap peas questioning my decisions <laughs> And yeah, it was, you know, the, it wasn't always so glamorous, but, um, I finally got my shot to come into service, um, because we had somebody get really sick and I was like, I, you know, I've been studying. I think that, I think that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I misstepped quite a bit, obviously I hadn't been trained on it, but I did well enough that then they allowed me to, you know, come upstairs. It was an old 15th century building. So mm-hmm. all the knees is done downstairs and service is upstairs. So I was finally allowed upstairs to be a part of service. And um, I just kind of slowly but surely moved up. Um, and then I ended um, as a chef de partie. So I had this really great station. Um, he works with um, really beautiful produce from Provence. So it was really, it was cra- it just, you know, f- you work five days a week, um, 18, 20 hour days. But I loved every second of it. It was just this violent, hostile, crazy, intense, mm-hmm. you know. And you only learn by misstepping there. So it's, you know, um, it was really difficult, especially the first six months. Yeah. Um, and then I started to settle in. And I think the better I started to do and I got a little more confidence in what I was doing, um, I really got to like fill my position. And then I was accepted into this brigade of, you know, there aren't any women in any of the kitchens I work there. It's not, wow. um, it's not that it's not allowed. It's that it's not very, um, it's a bit complicated there. I think that there in France, especially the industry is very hierarchical and still very militaristic, even yeah. more so than here. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. So eventually I got to like, you know, be a part of this team. And they were all like these big brothers of mine. And now we all, I do have a really good relationship with all of them now. We'll FaceTime every now and then and follow each other's careers. So that's really cool. But um, all three restaurants were really authentic South of France food. Um, a lot of seafood. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of olive oil, a lot of fresh produce, yeah. not overly manipulated, which was shocking to me because I think in the U.S., even though my mother's French and I'd been there, but for me, the idea of French food has been translated to butter and it's heavy, and yeah. it's greasy, but you know, just being there, I was like, okay, no, actually that's a misrepresentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in France, you have so many departments and they cook very differently in the South. It is so clean. It is so pure is the yeah. best way to put it. I mean, yeah. we had a garden and we'd pick everything. And, and so, yeah, that was the first place I worked and I, I stayed there for a year and I absolutely loved it. I really did. And and they're still open and running strong. They are. He's yep. opened two more since then. Yeah. Um, even with COVID. I mean, he's, 
I will say for um, he is probably the chef that I've met that is also the most um, business savvy. Like he really is great at that aspect of the job as well. Yeah. He um, he has opened three concepts. Um, they're all in downtown X and they're all different. So they don't compete with each other. And all three are kind of the epitome of dining um, alongside the second restaurant I worked, which is Mikael Favals, which is a, a seafood only restaurant. Okay. And he has a Michelin star and um, it's a little bit different, but it's smaller, more intimate. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a really great chef. And so, okay. So you're over in France for, for three years. Talk about <laughs> that. Okay. And so you, you said you had been to France before your mom is, times, is, yeah. is, is French. Is you, you, I assume you speak French. It was my first language. Actually, oh, she wow. wanted me to speak French before I would speak English. Oh my gosh. I, I yeah. love that. Do you, do you speak Mandarin too? Do I did when I was little bit, yeah. and that just kind of went You don't away. use it, you lose it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I tried and it just well, won't come back. That, yeah. I, one of the many regrets I have in my life is that I did not learn a, a second language at a young age and uh, barely enough broken Spanish to get by when I'm traveling, but definitely, <laughs> definitely, you know, feel like that's not something that's as important here in the United States that of all the shit you have to learn yeah. in school, you know, yeah, it's no. like that, that should have been, I feel like I think most one. countries cater to the U S now because yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this would travel, travel through Europe, and it's uh, so many people can speak two, three, four. You, you even almost always have an English menu, mm -hmm. so I don't think it really forces people to get out of their comfort zone yeah. to even try to speak the language, yeah. even if it's not going to be fluent. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that that kind of takes away from the experience sometimes, at least, because even me, if I go out and I'm speaking to a friend in in, in, um, in English, but I speak French, they'll still propose us an English menu. And it's, you know, yeah. I think it takes away a little bit from the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Um, and so be, being in France, like like you said, it is it, it's fresh produce, things from the garden, people going to the market on a daily basis. I feel like, I feel like honestly being over here in Walla Walla, we, we have that more than most people in the United States because we're Definitely. such a rich agricultural, you know, hub and there's so many great farms and producers. Um go to, you know, I go to Frog Hollow myself two or three times a week. I mention it on almost every podcast. So yeah. I'm talking to someone from Walla Walla because it's just, it's, it's so special. But, yeah. um, it, you know, what, tell us about some of the other things that you miss, like from France or some of the things that you loved about living there. I'm, I am, I am very jealous that you, that you spent three, <laughs> three years over there. I, I spent a little bit of time in Paris and I was in uh, Nice for Nice Almost two weeks and it, oh, I and it was it was, but it's like you're saying, just everything's fresh in the markets and the flower markets and I gosh, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, no, I um I miss it a lot and I came back because of COVID, but I am really happy to be here. And Walla Walla, like you said, actually does have a really a lot of similarities. It wasn't as yeah. difficult for me to to go. Okay, I want to do that kind of cooking, but here and only with things found here. I don't want anything shipped from France. I don't I think the only thing that we get imported that's not from Washington State is Parmigiano Reggiano. Obviously, it has to come from Italy. So other than that. I only, and I thought that was going to be such a challenge. And then I got here and I looked at the garden. I was like, there's nasturtium. They have zucchini. They have the most incredible squash blossoms, mm. hermiston watermelon. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so that was just like a really pleasant surprise. And that has actually been less of a challenge and more of a joy for me when I'm developing my menus. Yeah. And like you said, um, there is that strong correlation that I thought I would miss, but I don't where I work really closely with all these farmers. So like Noah from Frog Hollow is yes. incredible. Yep. He's like one of our largest, uh, uh, vendors and mm -hmm. he just comes in every week. And, um, that is just, that's really cool. Um, 
he'll bring in extra things for me to yeah, taste. And yeah. I would say that that's something that I miss in the U.S. in general, I think, from there. Because even from a non-professional standpoint, um, Excellent Provence is really known for their markets. Mm-hmm. They have flower markets, food markets, seafood. And then once a month, they have this incredible um, antique market that stretches along every street of the city. It's a pedestrian city. Oh. And, I mean, it's just like you can find things from World War II. You can find cameras of every... It's, it's very... It's a day within itself. Um, and for me... When I, when I went there at first, I think that I have this like very clear image in my head. And it was very representational of, I think, what I missed most about just France as a whole. Maybe Europe, I think. Europe, a lot of Europe does this. I walk into my apartment and I have this like really tiny fridge. And it looks like a like the fridge yeah. I would bring with me to college, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like a, a tiny fridge. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, we all have these like big double doors yes. and with a massive block. And I remember I saw it and I was really disappointed at first. I was kind of like, uh, what am I going to keep in here, you yeah. know? And as I started like, you know, go there and stuff, I and do my shopping at the market and cook for myself as I'm doing the same thing for the restaurant, I actually realized why it's that small. It's because A, there's no food waste. B, you don't go to the store and just stock up randomly on whatever yeah. you think you might want to pull out of the freezer that night. Yeah. It is so intentional. Like that right. tiny fridge yes. actually represents the intention, like the intention that people in France, in X, and in a lot of Europe like how they cook for themselves. Like there, it's like an act of love here, the way we have breaks, you know, yeah. not necessarily in my industry there, but in general in France, you have at least an hour break every day for your food. And some people take two hours and that's yeah. totally normal. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was shocked by that. Whereas here, even in office jobs before I was a chef, you know, it's like I eat at my desk. Yeah. Like I might grab yeah. a sandwich yeah. and, you know, shove some chips in my face yeah. before yeah. my next meeting. It's not as romantic as sitting down to a, no. yeah, a little, some wine and some local cheese. Exactly. And like, yeah, some There's pro- no intention. There's no self-care behind mm-hmm. it. There's no, what am I going to eat? So there, that yeah. tiny fridge, I realized that even with a busy schedule, I was still able to go to the market and pick things up for myself and go, okay, I see tomato. I'm going to oven roast these and I'm going to put a little avocado and I'm going to put it on this bread. And, and, and then you form relationships with these vendors. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I started buying my pepper from this guy personally, and then we ended up actually sourcing it for the restaurant. And it's, he was a fifth generation. He was doing these, um, peppercorns that they, and all the, what made it special was that like his grandfather had found a way that they pick it a little bit early and then it tastes a little bit greener and less. Mm -hmm. And he was showing me all these different things. And it's, it's just peppercorns and that we would just buy in an aisle. But for him, it's his legacy. Like yeah. he, the way he talked about it and somebody actually snapped a photo and I posted it and it got reposted so many times. I think that that was so rare for Americans to see. Yeah. And it yeah. showed this other side of what being a chef is, which is like finding other people's stories. And I would just go to the market and look at produce and go, this is already perfect. Like what could I possibly do to make this even any better? So I really Going back miss to that. Everything being so pure, like you're saying, just like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I loved it. I would, I would put things on the menu or like bring them home with me that I'd never even tried before. And it's that like constant excitement to like keep this, like, you know, yeah. your passion in this industry alive. Cause otherwise with the hours and the other mm-hmm. parts that are a little bit more taxing, we'll say you can quickly, I think fade out and no longer love what you do. So you have to find that. And there it was for me, at least, no, that was the hardest I think I'd ever worked. <laughs> and yet, um, I, that was probably the most passionate I'd been in a long time about something. I mean, now I have that here obviously yeah. as well, but because it was, it was just so new and people were constantly sharing. It wasn't just like, here's a tomato. It was like, no, this is why it's special. This is what makes it taste like mm-hmm. that. You know, here's a recipe. My grandmother for no reason, people would pass me on these things. And it becomes a very authentic trade of relationships and passion and, now we're collaborating and yeah. it starts the conversation and then you see it represented on the menu or what you're putting out. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious when you taste that food that it's not just 
this, this, and this. No, there's a story behind it. And even if you weren't there for the, you can taste it. Like it, yeah. there's something there. Yeah. That and I feel sense. like you've definitely, you know, brought that experience over to what you guys are doing here at Abeja. Um, we had the pleasure uh, of eating here. I don't know if it was about a, a month ago or right after mm -hmm. um, y'all opened. Um, they're offering five and seven course tasting menus with, you know, obviously wine pairings available. We are at a winery. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, everything was just uh, exquisite. There's definitely nothing like this in, in Walla Walla. I mean, thank you. That's for so sure. nice. But you thank are, you. I, you're bringing over. And I, I studied your menu because I, I wrote something um, about it after we visited. And uh, I, I remember just looking back and seeing some of the purveyors you guys were using, yep. like the lobna that you used. And mm -hmm. then I think it was the second dish with the melon and the prosciutto. Yep. Um, yeah. Very intentional, very local. Uh, and it's, it's changing every day you're doing, you know, I think yeah. probably some of the dishes are staying for a little while, but every, the, the menu as a whole is changing. Yeah. Every week. Um, so the five and seven course menu, which are the same, the five course just doesn't have the pre-dessert and one of the, um, one of the like apps will say one of the smaller plates, but, um, those both both menus change every single week all courses mm -hmm. from amuse bouche all the way down to dessert and we are trying to add a cafe mignardise so to end the meal with like that little espresso with a few house-made like financier or a canelé yes. or something that's just kind of like you know kind of just puts a bow on the experience mm -hmm. you know just ends it on a positive note but um yeah it changes every week and there are aspects to that which are challenging but mostly i think it's really exciting because we get to focus on micro seasonality so obviously like this summer we've had like crazy heat waves and that right. so i can't have you know i can't plan out to have you know i don't want to force something that isn't natural and mm -hmm. those working with brush creek creamery mm -hmm. noah from frog hollow lana from dixie acres um butcher butcher natalie and yes. eric and even lydia they're all so great and a lot more um it's really cool because it doesn't make it such an overwhelming task to go, oh my gosh, okay, I need eight new plates for the new week. Yeah. It's more like, okay, this is what I have. And these are, this is what I kind of want to do. And we, we have, I kind of have like a guideline of, I like to have a vegetarian dish. I like to have, I, I love to have several seafood dishes. Seafood is my, my favorite thing to be cooking. And then some kind of protein, whether it's lamb or tenderloin or whichever. And, and then um, desserts, same thing, like feature of fruit that's, you know, we had apricots with the verbena that's right here next to us, actually. Mm -hmm. we um, And then we did Hermiston watermelons. Right now I got raspberries, two different kinds, um, from Lana from Dixie Acres. I just changed the dessert actually the day before we sent it out. I sent out the menu to everybody because she was like, by the way, I have these. They just came in. I'm only going to have them for about a week or two. Yeah. I, she sent me a photo. Um, I've gotten a lot of stuff from her, including microgreens. So I trust. And the Their dessert this beautiful. week is. I just bought stuff from them at the farmer's market yesterday at the college place, mm -hmm. farmer's market, Dixie Acres. Yeah, they Amazing. have they have beautiful little carrots right now. I, I have those on the menu. Oh, too, my gosh. Like, they're, yeah. so, they're so The pretty. little rainbow ones. Yeah. I, we were shopping and my, my boyfriend had, had stepped away and walked back and picked up my bag. He was like, oh, my God, what what did you buy? This is so heavy. Because You're I like all of Dixie Acres. Up. Corn is still in season. Tomatoes. Oh, my God. I. I have a tomato problem. I I literally eat either a tomato salad or tomato sandwich every day, sometimes twice. Yeah. It's, this is the best. This is the best time of year. So it I'm is. soaking up the rest of the rest of summer. Where I feel, I know I feel like I say it on every podcast. That it's at least if it's a wall wall person, but we're so we're so lucky to be here. There's just so much great produce here. No, I absolutely love it. It was this was definitely a. I loved the farmstead and I loved the project. 
But then coming down here and meeting people and seeing the produce, I was like, okay, that was kind of what sealed the deal. I was like, I'm going to have a lot of fun here and I'm going to learn a lot of things. Um, even Lana from Dixie Acres, like Mm -hmm. she has amazing tomatoes and they're not here year round. And she was saying, um, she just sends me just Mm -hmm. like that. Just Mm -hmm. super kind. Um, this recipe that she has on how to like preserve them and like oil and all this stuff. So during the winter time, you can still have color on your plates and those flavors that we miss from summer, but without, you know, having to get tomatoes from, you know, a large corporate company and they're yeah, not, they're not in yeah. season. Their flavor is not there. You don't want to fake it. Mm-hmm. So this, that was a very cool thing she sent me. And towards the end, we're just going to stock up and we're going to make our own tomato paste and all this stuff. Yeah. So, that's yeah. what I'm like wanting to do. And there's also just a lot of little small farms around here. And sometimes I'll just, if I see, you know, I'll just stop randomly and, you know, see what they have for the day. I picked mm-hmm. up like a flat of tomatoes last week it's $3. I mean, it, it's, it's like 15, Amazing. 20 huge tomatoes, but they have so many at the end of season. So I, I have a flat at home. I think I'm about to do just like a bunch of sauce or maybe I'll try tomato paste. Yeah. Like, but or both even. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll send both. you Lana's recipe. Yeah. Too, oh my gosh. I think I they just like that. a roast in that. And I will say that the oil that we're going to use for that, because I, we don't throw anything away here. We always try to reuse it. The Lebna that we buy from Frog Hollow mm-hmm. from Brush, that's Brush, Brush Creek, Creek Creamery. Yes. Yeah. Um, it comes in this incredible, incredible oil. Yes. Like I, rosemary I, and peppercorn. Oh, so we always drain it out and we actually keep it. And now we have like six or seven mason jo- jars of it. And so that's the oil I'm going to use for the tomatoes. We're going to test it out. But I just think that's going to make the most incredible oh spread gosh. for the wintertime, I, even for the winery to use as a Yes. So I'm excited about that. So there's a lot of like kind of just... You know, I'm feeling really bad about not saving the olive oil in my lobna right now. Because but now I, you think about it, now no, you'll think because, about it every yeah, time. It is this beautiful olive oil, and it comes there's some kind of like pepper in the. Mm-hmm. It's a peppercorn, and yeah. there's a, there's an actual little chili pepper. Yeah, there's in a little there, chili like a pepper in there. Yeah, and it's oh my gosh, all this lobna. It's amazing. I'm sure I've, I've definitely talked about it on social media and, and probably talked about it on the podcast. But yes, yeah, from a place in Idaho, Brush Creek Creamery, very close mm-hmm. to here, and then carried at, at Frog Hollow Farms. And yeah. uh, gosh, it is, it will, I had never had lobna. I was not familiar with it. I saw it and I was like, this is beautiful. You could just tell when you looked at it. It's just, it is very intentional. It's very, yeah. it's, it's very well done. And they, oh man, actually, um, Amy over at Frog Hollow, they had in some samples from them not too long ago. And I got to taste like they had sent over some and yes that oh was god yeah. it was like to yeah. die for i need to actually i may be going there this afternoon yeah. to see if they have if they have any of that y'all i have a i have a cheese problem and speaking of cheese are you are you a big cheese lover did you I, of what, course i am i'm friends. i mean i, <laughs> I guess love that's cheese, what i yes. thought i don't want to presume but no i but, love i love cheese i love it yeah and um that that actually the whole like uh, Lebna was really cool because I was working on a dish that I had already I had created a dish in France. I was looking for something called like a brusturov, which is like a goat's cheese, but it's not so dense. It's um, it almost is like a it tastes like a blend between a goat's cheese and um and a burrata. It's so light mm-hmm. and it's not this overly salty. It doesn't clash with the wines. It's mm-hmm. anyways, and that's how Noah was like. Well, I have something. It's yeah. not probably the same things because like, I don't I don't know what that is, but try this, and that's how I fell in love with that. So, and did you whip it a little bit? I did because I didn't realize what it was when I was having it. it. Was so funny the next day when I was like writing um, my piece on you guys. I looked down at the menu. I was like, oh my gosh, Marcus, that was <laughs> that was a Brush Creek Lobna, but yeah. it was uh, I could tell you, yeah, we whipped it and it was so light and it was just yeah. Mm. So sometimes sometimes I will just put it on a dish. So, like this week we have um, these rosemary roasted figs with I did a chicken liver mousse um, and a sauterne gel that has the fig uh, seeds inside of it on the top. Mm-hmm. And um, we did have a couple of vegetarians. So what I did was I just was like, you know what? We just put the 
Lubna, is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, Lubna? yeah, yeah. Lubna on the plate with the oven roasted rosemary figs, a little crostini, and they they it's just it's a plate within its own. But for the cantaloupe and watermelon, because it is seven courses, yeah. I don't want people to leave hungry, but also not overly stuffed. Yeah. On that dish, um, because there was, you know, prosciutto and prosciutto chips and all these other components, it made sense to maybe lighten it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I had it in a siphon with CO2. And then we would just oh, do this like big cloud. Yeah, so it was okay. more of like a, yeah. it was like a little love nut cloud. Yeah, it really, so it's yeah, there, so airy and light. But it won't sit on your stomach, but the flavor is there, especially because yeah. it is really flavorful. And I actually had some of the oil in there. That's what I diluted okay. was I used some of that oil yeah. and a little bit of buttermilk. So it just kind of lightened it up a little bit. So well, you'll yeah, you'll have to send me that recipe. You'll have to let me know how the tomatoes I come will. out. I'm like, I have I've had that lava so many times. I'm definitely gonna be saving it. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be saving the keeps, oil. We just now save on. it there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we we use it all the time in the kitchen. We'll like paint. We'll use it to like glaze things before putting it in the oven, or and it just it the flavor is just incredible. Well, let's talk a little bit about, so um, I want to talk a little bit more just about Abaya as a whole, but before we get all the way there, tell us, so you, you came back to the U.S. because of COVID mm-hmm. and, 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 and you came back to work here. Mm-hmm. So you came straight here from France. Tell us a little bit about that transition. So I moved back in February okay. and I was in Seattle for a little while. To, um, I spent time with my family and friends. I hadn't seen them in years, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and so that was kind of a really good thing for me. It helped me reset a little bit. I stayed at my parents' place. Um, we all got to spend some quality time together, yeah. my friends as well. Uh, I got to go to some weddings and baby showers mm-hmm. and all that kind all of stuff that stuff I missed. Miss, yeah. Of course. yeah. We're at that age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, that was really nice. And while I was doing that, I was kind of looking at these job opportunities. And um, Roy Bryman, who's our food and beverage director of Columbia Hospitality, Right. Was how, you know, I found out about this job. And there were a couple others that were closer to home. Okay. So I was kind of like deciding, and there were some that, you know, all really great projects. Um, I don't think I realized that Abeja is part of the Columbia Hospitality Group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, maybe it's, I did know that. It's a little bit its own thing as well. So okay. Ken and Ginger, obviously, still a really big part of it. Yeah. Dan and Amy. Um, and uh, yeah. And then Columbia Hospitality well, uh, helps I, manage. I love Columbia Hospitality. You have many beautiful. Mm-hmm gorgeous properties all over have worked with them and stayed at stayed at, at many things and everything they do is super well yeah. done. So totally makes sense. That no, they would the, be a part of this there we've wanted to work together for a really long time. So I actually knew about CHI through Roy. He actually came to dine at Volterra, that first restaurant I worked at yep. and it's an open pass. And he came in probably a week after I became sous chef. So he just saw me like running the line and I was helping out and saute and uh, he, I just remember very clearly he was with some business partners. And um, when I was done, I was coming, going out, touching tables, asking them if they liked the specials and, you know, all this stuff. And he gave me his card and we wanted to work together for a while. And then I was like, you know, I kind of want to leave the country. Actually, it's my plan to do that. And he was like, you know what, chef, that's a great idea. Do that. And we will always find a time to like, you know, all work together in the future. Yep. And he followed, he followed my career when I was in France. Um, and then when I came back, it just seemed like the perfect time. And this project fell into place and it just felt like everything was kind of perfectly yeah. congruent at the right moment. And so that was really cool. And so I moved here, I want to say like June 28th or 29th. Okay. I was at the Finch with my U-Haul for two Oh weeks. my gosh. Yeah, I literally just like skirt. I was like, when do you guys need me there? They're like, we need you to leave in like five days. And I was like, oh okay. Oh my God. No, I think had they, you they were like in two before? weeks. Had you been to Walla Walla? I had visited once. So he told me about the job. I came down four days later. I drove down with my father to interview with Dan and Amy and just kind of see what it was about. They were so incredible to me. They were so transparent. They were so fun. And I just, it kind of, 
it, it, it kind of resonated and um, gave, like it was like, okay, yes, what I thought about this company is true. You know, mm -hmm. Dan, Amy, I got to meet John and all them. So I came down here, interviewed, met the whole team. Everybody was incredible. Went back to Seattle. We had some more meetings. We talked about everything. And the next step was for me to do a tasting. And I hadn't met anybody else from corporate yet. Um, and so I got to do a tasting for them at uh, Copper Leaf, which is another incredible. Which I've stayed. Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's, it's down at SeaTac. Yep. And yep. Adam Stevenson was really great. He let me use his kitchen. So I did this whole course tasting menu of kind of like an idea of what maybe I thought would be great, mm -hmm. you know, here. Mm -hmm. And this is how I for sure knew I wanted to work for them. Um, so I did the menu and I actually drew it and wrote it by hand with like little drawings because I like to do that. And I had asked them first, is that okay? And they were like, yeah, I just wanted it to be like authentic. Like this is what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, that way they have a good idea. And the tasting was so much fun. And I got to come out afterwards and hang out with them. And um, it went really well. And it was funny because they were like, you know, we loved all these other aspects of stuff, but we haven't tried her food because I was always gone. So they're like, we trust your references. We know that you've done all this. We taste the food. But we haven't tasted the yeah, food yet. So I yeah. think they were a bit nervous. That's reasonable, right? Yeah, because the project happened so quickly. And it was kind of this like funny ongoing joke of like, but can she cook? It was like the one thing that they hadn't tested. So, you know, it was like kind of like, good stress thing. And then by the end of the meal, I got to go out and see them enjoy it. And this is how I knew that it was a really great company and that this was the kind of company that I resonate with. Um, when they came, when the whole corporate team came here about a month after opening, um, or a few weeks after opening, this was about a month ago, they, we did another big tasting with all the managers from a Beha and some mm -hmm. other employees hadn't tasted it yet and all that. And it was really fun. So they could see what I was doing, but with stuff from here, they gifted me my original menu that they had sent, that they had kept that I had hand drawn Aww. and they had added a piece underneath it saying with like the date that I had done my first tasting with them and they had all signed it. And it was really sweet because I, I wouldn't have like really thought twice about saving that, but yeah. it's true that I spent a lot of time that yeah. night, you know, drawing it out. And I even had like a little watercolor on it and they framed it for me as this kind of like, you know, amazing. It was, Cause it was a really great um, it was just a really great way to be invited into a company. Mm -hmm. And then Dan and Amy did the same thing for Abeja with my onboarding week. And no, it's, it's, it's been really great. I mean, yeah, it sounds, sounds really like grateful. it. I mean, yeah. Abeja has a, a fantastic reputation and just let, let's talk a little bit about, so Abeja is a very, um, well-respected winery here in Walla Walla, but it is, it's more than, than, than just a winery. Um, it's also a beautiful, um, restored farmstead. Really. It was an old farm that they've completely redone all the buildings on the site. Um, we're sitting outside the tasting room and restaurant right now. And then there's all these other just beautiful buildings, this beautiful pond, this beautiful garden that Elodie was saying, they get some of the things, you know, that they use in the, you know, in the kitchen out mm -hmm. of your, out of your garden. Um, it is a very special place. It's very pastoral, just, um, yeah, definitely one of the, if you want to say somewhere really nice in Walla Walla, this is, this is definitely the spot, but, uh, get your reservation early. I will tell you, I, I know after yeah, I think we're booked out until yeah, y'all are right booked now. out. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm. I want to get for here the at some inn. Point. The restaurant we still have some days. We yeah. opened. We opened a few more, so we went from three days to five days a week. Oh wow, that because, fast. Yeah. Well, yeah. we so we used talk reservation, and it was yep. just, we hadn't pushed PR, so we weren't really expecting. You know, but the word of mouth and the guests and pe even people like Noah and Lana and, you know, people who work at the farms when they have people come and pick flowers yeah. where they're like, well, have you tried this? You yeah. Know, and all this stuff. So the word of mouth is so strong. And I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. Um, even the chefs that have come to dine here. We've had Baldemar. We've had Tom Macaroni. We saw the had, Hadaways in here when I was yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they have been so supportive and so gracious. And so we open now to five days a week to be able to accommodate to the inn, mm -hmm. to all of our inn guests and the public. So that's really exciting. Um but 
Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's just, it's a small community and just a lot of good people. And, um, I've heard, you know, I've been singing y- y'all's praises, was already a big <laughs> fan of a Beha, but I've heard nothing but just, yeah, wonderful reviews from everyone that's been here and, and, and everyone wants to come here. And again, it is just, you know, we have a lot of really good restaurants in Walla Walla. I feel like we have way more good restaurants than we should for the size town that we are. Mm-hmm. But this one, they're, you know, we are still a really small town and we definitely just didn't have um, something like this that was just coursed out and, and, you know, something that you're giving so much attention to. The menu's changing so, you know, so much. Um, it's definitely just been a really welcome addition to a place where people do really, you know, obviously appreciate wine, but appreciate food. And so I it's, that like a, that's why I think probably why you guys just so quickly could go from three days to five days and you've been open six weeks because like you said, you've hardly done, you know, any PR just a lot of word of mouth but people in this town and people coming to visit Walla Walla you know this is this is a wine destination people are coming to have some lavish experiences Mm -hmm. and um you know people definitely and I would be interested to know are you guys seeing a lot of uh you know, locals or is it, is it definitely more, you know, tourists that you're getting in? Is it a good mix of both? I mean, I know I bumped into like four people I knew when I came here. It's a good mix of both, honestly. Um, so I try to touch tables, um, as quickly as I can at the end of the night. And I don't always get to talk to every table. Usually the earlier tables are sometimes gone by the time I'm able to come out. Mm -hmm. But from what I can gauge, it's usually, it's a really amazing mix of people from who are out of town from like places like Seattle, Portland, uh, San Juan Islands, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. People who are out of town from farther, like New York City, San Francisco, which to me resonates really strongly that Abeja has always had a really strong following from yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. And so, and I, I was already told that, but it's been proven time and time again. Yeah. And the really cool part is that we get a lot of people that are from here in Walla Walla. And we have, last night, actually, I spoke to a table. It was, they, they came back with friends and I have another couple um, who have been in now three times. And that's part of the thing. It's like, that's why no matter how challenging it gets, I want to change the menu every week. That way, you know, people who are staying here, when they do want to come out and celebrate something, mm-hmm. they know they're going to get something different. Right. Um, not in the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And the service will always be great because of Tom. The wines are always incredible, Dan and Amy. Uh-huh. But, and then the food has to match that because the Bay has already at such an amazing level. So we have these return guests and, every time I see them and I always recognize them and they're always like, Oh my God, chef, like the fact that you recognize it's like, I'm really good with faces, yeah. less with names, but I'm like, yes, you were here on that night. And now they'll call ahead and be like, Hey, we had lamb and sable fish last time. Um, you know, what are you doing this week? And it's cool because even people who live here year round, they still are coming in multiple times and they're bringing in their friends. They're bringing their family. Um, and last night, uh, yeah, we had this, um, this really gracious couple, Carmen and Ed, yeah. Anyways, they were here our opening week and they had friends coming in from, um, I think it was Tennessee and immediately they had booked and they were like, we know we want to take you. And for me, for me to like be able to go out and see them. And it, that was, it was just really special. I think yeah, that's, absolutely. that's incredibly yeah. <laughs> rewarding for me as a yeah, chef to see people come back like that and bring others and do the PR around. I mean, that's really amazing. Well, and so. it is a very special experience and one that what that does change, like you're saying for the locals. And it's definitely, you know, it's definitely like a, a perfect place for a special occasion or, you know, anytime I would come anytime, <laughs> anytime yeah. I want. I you're welcome. Come. Anytime. Like, okay, that'll be a great time. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be back. I was talking and again, I, I've just heard nothing but good things. I think I was chatting with Robert from, um, visit Walla Walla mm-hmm. and he was like, 
my wife told me she wants to go to Beha on her birthday. Like that's where I she, love that. That's yeah. where she wants to go to dinner. They had already done it. He's like, I don't know if you've met him or I'm, I'm sure you probably it sounds, it sounds actually run good. into I him. I think I did visit Wawa. It's the, uh, yeah, I think he yeah. was here. It was a while ago. Yeah, it wasn't they, recent. Yeah, I think it was I think maybe, maybe right after we opened. Came in, yeah, either, I think it might have been our soft opening week. I think week. it was. I think yeah. they came in either maybe with media or yeah, soft opening. But mm-hmm. um, he is such a he is such a fun guy and he's such a big food lover. Yeah, and I was I was at an event and was lucky enough to be seated next to him and we just talked food like yeah. the entire night. But no, he said they he just gushed about this place and wow, amazing. Yeah, it's like, where, where she wants to come back, where Jane wants to come back for her birthday. So that makes know, you so the, be- the best compliment of all, right? Yeah, no, last night I got to go out and touch tables a little bit. And we had um, a couple um, here from Walla Walla. They were celebrating their five-year anniversary. We had another birthday. We had another anniversary. We had um, just like, it was just really cool. Like a, when I do get to peep my head out yeah. and see people celebrating um, their life milestones, yeah. like moments that are really Absolutely. important to them, that they feel the need to go out and do something to yeah. represent and celebrate that. Um, here over Abeja's Wines in Abeja's Farmstead with Tom and his team's service and yeah. then me and my team's food, mm-hmm. it it's it's really rewarding. It's like that's yeah. the moment that always comes back to me. Yeah. No matter how long the week was, no matter the craziness of opening, you know, right, a department can be. Um, that's always the moment where I just go take a deep breath and I'm like, so worth it. Yeah. Like no questions asked. Amazing. It's it's very cool to see. Well, and you know, th- just the other people that you're mentioning, Tom, which is your your service director. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know, took care of us when we were here. It was just, it was, it was amazing. Everything from like the food to the service, to the, you know, the ambiance to the wine. It's just, there's so many pieces that go into making like a perfect experience. Obviously the food is very important too, but it's like, you're saying just all these, this perfect picturesque setting, this, you know, fantastic people that you're working with, taking care of your guests, The you know, obviously incredible food, you know, having the chef come out and touch your table you know that's that's so meaningful and you put all those things together it just you know it makes for a very a very special place and speaking to we've mentioned dan and amy um a few times so mm-hmm. they are the winemakers here yep. at abeja have been here gosh i'm not sure how long but i know for a I minute be, i don't want to say the wrong thing but i think it's been like seven years yeah or it's I, been a it's, while it's definitely yeah. been a, for a few years since before we got here which was only a year ago and a I hope I didn't make a mistake by saying that, but I think it's no. I know. I I think so too. I I, I know they've been here for a bit, and they are just a husband and wife team. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, making making the wine here. Their daughter works in our restaurant. She's our server. Oh, serves with us, Jada. She does a really good job. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. How stinking cute is that? Just I love that. Um, and they're they're great people. And so talk talk a little bit about just you know. Obviously, you drink wine. I do. Um, were you? I, I mean, I again French, so I'm a, I'm assuming a big wine lover. And I've seen Cheese you wine. you working with wine. Like obviously, you're working on the pairings with them. But I even saw I think on your Instagram a few days ago. I can't remember what you guys were harvesting. It was one of <laughs> one of the mini grapes we're bringing in right now, and you were going to use it in a dessert or something. Yeah. And so how cool for you to to get out there. So can you talk a little bit just about like the wine program here and its connection to what you're doing? So the wine program, obviously Dan and Amy are the winemakers, and they have Ken and Will, who does all the tastings and all this amazing stuff. And um, they have all been really open to sharing that side of education of Abeja and just, you know, in general wine mm-hmm. and winemaking and everything that goes behind it. It's, yeah. it's a, it actually, it's a very 
it's a very similar industry. It's a yeah, labor of love. Absolutely. And, you know, it, at the, the, I think the goal is to have people have this amazing experience at the end and you put the two together and it's mm -hmm. like, you can create something really phenomenal, I think. So, um, it's been really great. I got to, they, they, they always invite me when I have a moment to be able to go to their new winery over there and check it out. And, um, I get to like see them do the bottlings and crush the fruits. And the other day, and so that where you're pointing, which just that's, the new that's, that's the winery. Mm -hmm. That's where they're it's producing their new the wine yep. over there. So we're yes. looking, and it's another beautiful. It is everything on this property is gorgeous. gorgeous. You wouldn't believe that's just filled with wine production machinery in there. But very cool. Have you been that close before to, to winemaking? Because I definitely, until I moved to Alwa, I've done some, <laughs> some media tours and seen you know yeah. here and there, been in a vineyard or through a production facility, but never anything like this. And I've just found it to be so yeah. cool. No. So, so the last restaurant I worked at in France, it was a, do it was called, uh, it was Chateau de Massillon and it was on a domain de la Guichard. So it's a domain that is very similar to this actually. So they had their winery, they had olive trees, so they make their own olive oil. And then we had a garden. The only thing was that it was, you know, so busy and crunch time. Um, I was there for the opening of it. So he was, yeah, he moved there to get, to get a second mission star. So it was crunch time. So all these things that had been, you know, that, I was hoping to learn outside of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. There was never really enough time. And, you know, something like winemaking, you don't want to learn about it in a rushed way. You want to yeah. be a part. So here I've actually been able to do that here and there. And even if it's just in a quick thing, you know, Dan the other day is just like on his, um, his truck and he's pulling grapes and it's just a quick, like, he was like, chef, try this. It's a, it's a Grenache. And I like tried it and I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Sierra innkeeper, that's what the photo you saw. So last week, um, I got a day that was a little bit less busy and they had just picked all of the Viognier. So usually there's a few small ones that are left on there. So I went out there with scissors and I started tasting them and look at this and I was going to put on the dessert and then, <laughs> and then I switched it out and we actually have the Viognier with pork belly this week. So I just actually love the so grapes. You did the grapes with, with pork belly. So mm -hmm. you, okay. So you went in a separate us, thing. Tell us a little bit about how that, that's <laughs> so I was work. trying them and I wanted to do something I was thinking about what protein I want to do. And I was at Butcher Butcher looking and we'd done lamb and tenderloin mm -hmm. and all this other great stuff. And um, this week is actually a really wine heavy menu. There's always at least three different ways that the wine is cooked in the menu. Right. But this week I think there's five. So I tried the Viognier and we had some Viognier that has also like over fermented a little bit. So it's got that like sweet kind mm -hmm. of tart, close to a sauterne almost taste to it. And I was trying these grapes that had been in the sun and all this stuff. So I started like practicing. I was making these sauces with the Viognier. I was deglazing it and I tried it and I was like, you know, I think that with like a smoked, like sous vide, then a little bit smoked, crispy skin. I just had this like image in my head. It was like pork belly, like some charred greens and making me so hungry. <laughs> and I'm like, we haven't eaten today. So it's like, I don't know why we're talking about this, but, um, yeah. And, and we put last night was our first night having on the menu. Um, it's for this week only. Um, and it was, it was just really cool to be able to go out there and pick these grapes and be like, I'm putting them on the menu next week. And then I was playing around with some sauterne. So we have that with the goose liver. The Chardonnay was in the risotto. Um, the that risotto. Oh my God. Yeah. It's that different was, this week, but we do have an orzo risotto on. That so. was, I was trying to like everything that we had, we did the seven course. It was all wonderful, but I, that risotto was like Maybe the best risotto I've ever had. It was so, wow, it was so incredible. good. That was a standout Thank for you so me. Much. Oh my God. No, it was, it was amazing. Like I was hesitant because it's been so hot here, but I, I use orzo for that reason. So it's a little bit less starchy than mm -hmm. arborio. It can be a bit lighter. So I like to have risotto on there as a course here and there. I think yeah. it's a, um, 
but yeah, and then we've we've been making our own sorbets, oftentimes with the wine. So the Washington State Chardonnay has like this really strong, you know, stone fruit mm-hmm. flavor to it. Syrah has blueberries. We had like a blueberry Syrah sorbet. I think that's the one actually that you yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the week you were here. Yes. Yeah. So we did that one. Um, we've done like the apricot with Chardonnay. Um, yeah, it, it's fun though because I have all these incredible wines at my disposal. I have this garden. I even have the grapes now after yeah. I pick them. Then it's my turn to kind of so go cool. through and, and you harvest. Can, like, literally just walk out there and and I mean yeah. that's such a special. I mean, for a chef, I mean there's nothing better than that to be able to pick your own ingredients, right? Yeah. I mean from no, it's, it's literally great. farm to table. Just I mean so special. Well, tell us a little bit about. Um, just coming up with the wine pairings because you know obviously the option to do uh wine with each of the which each of the tasting menus that you guys offer and i mean do you and dan and amy sit down and like work on all that together do you put together your ideas and have them t- like what tell us about that process because i'm super interested you actually have the winemakers here it's yeah. not like you're just <laughs> no, you know in a amazing. restaurant and you can pick any yeah and you, you know you're sitting here you can talk to the people that are making the wine it's yeah. so cool so early on, um, we, Dan and Amy made it very, um, it was, it was a priority that Tom and I go through, we did both an estate tasting and a traditional tasting when we have the tasting notes. So aside just from like studying what the Abeja wines were about, we actually got to have this experience as if like, you know, Will was amazing. He gave us an estate tasting as if we had never been here before, as if we didn't know him. So we understand the whole experience, what guest experiences have been in the past in the other departments. So that ours is congruent Mm -hmm. and matches that so it's really cool because we were reading the tasting notes we get to learn about them because the beha wines are incredibly celebrated and they are also very specific to themselves they are yeah uh we pair sometimes a beekeeper's red with a white fish whereas most people be like a white fish like i'm expecting chardonnay Mm -hmm. but you know i had it with like saffron and a chorizo sauce last week so for that it just carried over and with a beekeeper's red because it is so light and it's so you know it tastes like red fruit it's it matched perfectly yeah um so usually the way like this, usually the way it goes is I will push out the new menu for the next week and I'll send it to everybody. And then if there's questions or conversations, because the menu isn't very detailed, I like to just kind of keep it around the produce and then have people be a little bit surprised and their plate comes yeah. and be like, okay, that's how this is. And like the Lebna cloud for you. Yeah. Um, and once I push out the menus, uh, Tom and I have a conversation about like, okay, chorizo, is it spicy? Is there actual chorizo in it? Or is it strained out? Like all these little, you know, uh, the logistics of the menu, we'll say. And then he kind of does the wine pairings. We talk about it. And then Dan and Amy will try and come and we'll do like little bites so they can try the wine with the dish. And they, Dan and Amy are really great. They'll come into the restaurant with their friends and they've, they've tried multiple menus now, maybe four or five. Um, so yeah. Um, and so they have an idea of what's being yeah. paired with what. And, um, but I do have to say, yeah, Tom, Tom does, um, do a really good job with that as well. Um, and then even when I'm doing things like, you know, a dessert or as a surprise, we will go to like the thief in town. Like we work yeah. a lot with them. So that's where I got my sauterne this week. Um, so yeah, he, he's just, he has a really great palate for wines, more elevated than I am as yeah. I'm learning it. Yeah. And I think that the fact that I cook with the wines also helps because it doesn't, just because I cook with a Viognier doesn't mean that has to be paired with a Viognier right. at all. But it kind of opens this door to a possibility for it to pair to a similar wine. Yeah. Whichever it is. So yeah, that's kind of it's, it's just a collaboration of everybody's kind of brain coming together and being like, I think that this is, should be like this. And if I need to make something a little bit more salty or briny or I'll sort of caviar or whatever, then I can also alter the menu a little bit. Mm-hmm. So during the summertime, I, I had to change some of the seafood dishes because we only have so much white wine. And I need things to pair with red, right? But not in a heavy way because it's 115 degrees yeah. outside. <laughs> so it's a, you know it's a bit of a Tetris game for everybody for it to work. But you know I think so far it it has, and I'm. 
yeah, I'm really grateful that I have that support. I'm not like alone in this. You know, I can always ask questions and be yeah. like, you know, Dan or Amy or Tom, do you think that this will pair this? Should I remove one of these items from the menu and switch it out for something else? So that it's just constant conversation. Every week it, it changes and every week there's a variable that we do better on. There's something that I learned. There's something, it just, it's constant. It's not like, oh, okay, good. We know what we, we're doing yeah. now. No, yeah. it's every single week. A collaborative week, process every week. I, I mean, yeah. well, if you ever needed another person to weigh in on those. Just, <laughs> My personal food taster. Just, yeah, yes. just give me a call. I'm happy to taste test wine and, wine and food pairings any day. Um, gosh, and we are we are coming up here on almost 50 minutes. I just, oh. I, I, you have been so much fun and so interesting. Your story is great. <laughs> and I knew that you, I knew you could, you know, had traveled all over and been in France and, um, you know, had done all these really cool, interesting things that, you know, I want to go live in France for, <laughs> for three years, but I'm, I'm just blown away at everything that you guys are doing here and all that y'all have accomplished in such Thank a short you. time. It's really been, I think like less than two months and, um, yeah, you guys are just, you guys are just killing it. And on that note, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, what, what's to come. You guys are now, um, open. Is it a set five days a week or you check, you need to check the, you need to check talk and see, cause isn't it, it alters from week to week the days you're open. Yeah. So it's a, <sighs> Because everything here at Abeja is on property, we have several departments during the summertime, during wedding season, right? That's usually what it's based off of. So, uh, most Friday and Saturdays we are closed, but then moving into um, a season where there aren't as many weddings, mm -hmm. where you will be open, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but usually it's Thursday is the uh, kind of like our Monday. That's the first night of the week where we push out a brand new menu. Mm -hmm. And we'll do Thursday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday okay. um, normally. And then when we get Friday, Saturday, we will open for that. Um, and it is all on there. Um, talk is really comprehensive. So it's yeah. kind of great because you can always go on there and it will explain it. Um, I know the schedule shifts a little bit and maybe it's not yeah. always ideal, but we did try to find a way so that the public can, uh, you can find it. You know, I have it tagged on my Instagram. Um, uh, Abeja has it on yeah. the dine option yeah, for the website. It's, the website. it's all very it's comprehensive. very easy to find. Um, we don't, we, we get people who like book the in or taste and stuff like that, you know, months in advance for the menu because it is so micro seasonal. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I can't do that. I yeah. try to push it out, you know, maybe a week or two ahead, sometimes a little bit more if I can. But there is a sample menu online. So people have an idea generically of what yeah. they're going to get, which is, you know, a vegetarian course, you know, some, some seafood, some meats. Do you guys do a dessert. vegetarian tasting menu option too? We do. As long as I know at least a week ahead of time. Ahead of time. Yep. Okay. And we did, we, we, uh, we do our best for, you know, lactose. We, I haven't said no to any allergies okay. so far. Okay. Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, the sooner I know, right. the better it is. Um, yeah. Even though maybe I can whip something up that day and it'll be good. It's, you know, to make something that ha is missing a lot of those main components in cooking like butter or cream or eggs or yeah. whichever it is, gluten, um, I can do that. But I, I, have, I have to make sure that it pairs with the wines and, you know, yeah, it's, it's the same consistency. They don't leave stuffed or hungry. So yeah. the sooner I know those things, um, and talk is really great for that because you can put in all of your information. Yeah. I, the sooner I know the, the, the more congruent your dinner will be with somebody who's having it without allergies. Well, that's awesome. And on it, I mean, with what you guys are doing, it is complex and you know, you, there are a lot of pieces, so, you know, you can't always get substitutions or vegetarian options in those instances. So, and I didn't definitely didn't realize y'all were doing that. So that yeah. is a big, big plus for yeah. the for the vegetarians yeah. out there. Yep, vegetarians. We haven't done. Um, we haven't been asked for a vegan one yet. That would be a bit complicated. Yeah. But if I knew really ahead of time, yeah. I think that my team and I would really want to try to accommodate. You know, anybody who would want to have this experience. 
I just want to make sure that like, you know, when they come here, it is that experience. It's not like we're sending out a salad or something. Like I want yeah. to make sure that they are going Five through. Salads. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> seven salad, course menus. Seven, yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's that same exact dining experience. Yeah, just that level of excellence that you guys are providing here. Flavor profiles yeah. are there, you know, the produce, the execution, the thought behind it, because otherwise then it's, it's not as worth it. It, it just simply isn't. Yeah. So the sooner I know those things, the more I can cater to it. And, you know, we'd really do our best to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, we make our own cashew cream now and stuff like that. We try to kind of look ahead for that, but, um, yeah, looking forward. I mean, you know, I just got here and it sounds crazy because sometimes Tom and I look at each other like, doesn't it feel like we've been here a year, <laughs> but, um, no, right now I think we're just focusing on doing what we do, having this like trifecta of like service, wine and food, mm -hmm. putting them together in a way that, people come here and they know that they're taken care of. It's elegant, but it's not presumptuous. Yeah. Um, and moving forward, I mean, I think that we just want to, you know, elevate, you know, that we just got our new plates and all that stuff. We're just kind of working through the variables, I guess. So, I mean, we have ideas, you know, for the future, for, you know, next busy season come, um, come spring and mm -hmm. summer during the winter time um, when, you know, everything kind of slows down Walla Walla. We are looking at doing private events in the large barn because it's such a beautiful oh, space. Lovely. We've got the chandelier from Marcus Whitman. Oh. So about doing, you know, like these really elegant kind of like with like, you know, plates that are passed around. You mm -hmm. get five small plates with wine pairings, maybe you know, every 30, 45 minutes, live music, right? Maybe like a white party. Everybody oh, dresses yes. up. Oh. I think that that's kind of when I, I ask around, you know, kind of be like, what, what do you think that Walla Walla is missing, you know, mm -hmm. in the culinary or just in the events or whatever yeah. it is, because the space is really beautiful and we want to utilize it to a maximum in a way that benefits the community. And, you know, so we're, we're in talk right now. Um, I won't mention anything specific because it's still, you know, all being figured out, but um, I'm collaborating with all the other managers here, you know, Nancy, Gaby, all of them who are really great with, you know, doing benefits for some charities here in Walla Walla, doing some, you know, exciting holiday parties, um, live music, wine, food, finding ways to kind of get people out of the house yes. during maybe gloomy season yes. and revive some of that excitement and conversations similar to this where, yes. you know, we're excited about food and wine and, you know, people and all that. So, um, yeah, I think that during, um, during winter time, we'll definitely have, you know, a few, uh, noteworthy events that are going to be kind of centered around the same as a dining experience, which is service, food, wine, a good time. And then, uh, and then we reenter the busy season and it all starts all over again. Yeah. Over. Yeah. We're winding down a little and let's, well, let's talk about seasonally. What is your favorite time of year as far as cooking? Is it just summer when it's just everything? It, like, I mean, I love this time of year. I have a tomato problem. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love squash. I, I, I just love everything that grows this time of year. But is there as a chef, I mean, you looking forward to fall is, is it spring? I mean, I am probably I, not winter, but maybe you love root vegetables. I don't I know. do love root vegetables. I do actually. Um, um, I, 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 summer is by far my favorite. Um, not just for the pro but summer here, especially is where most of the produce reminds me the most of what grows in the South of France, because there yeah. is really sunny all the time and the winters aren't as long. So when I came here, I saw the zucchini blossoms and the tomatoes and the eggplants and the peppers and all that great stuff. That's amazing. But I do love fall too. And we are kind of in that yeah. period where we're kind of in between mm -hmm, the two mm -hmm. of them. So, you know, no already knows that I'm all about, you know, I'm, he's like, oh, we have kombucha squash and all this stuff. Oh, so yes. I'm just waiting for, we got delicata a little yes. bit ago. Um, figs are starting to come in. Figs are, I put them on the menu immediately when I started to see them. So we have these incredible um, black mission figs. Um, I love cooking in the fall, um, springtime as well. 
winter's a bit more challenging, but... But you're going to have all those preserved tomatoes. From. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're thinking ahead. I got yeah, Lana helping me be, out with her recipes. ready. No, I think it'll be good. And I actually am excited to kind of see how the seven course menu evolves throughout the seasons. I always keep them in my office. I just keep them to kind of look and as this, you know, kind of thread of like, okay, what are, where are we at? You know, how's one of the menus look like as the seasons change and in winter time, you know, I'm excited because I, I spent time in the South of France, but my family is actually from the center and the North. So we do cook heavier things. So for me, when I was little, it was Boeuf Bourguignon. We would have, um, you know, a lot of these things from like, uh, that people don't really know about even, you know, if you visit, so they are heavier dishes. We would stuff, you know, cabbages and things like that during the wintertime, very like hearty foods that I think started out as, you know, you know, peasant food, it's mm -hmm. scraps, it's mm -hmm. post-it survival food, but now it's very celebrated. Yes. So even this week I have bouillabaisse on the menu, which oh, is, you know, started as a survival Marseille technique. Yeah. And like yeah. Birthplace. Started in Marseille because the fishermen were only left with these small fish. So yeah. that's all they could make. And now you have Jacques Passeda who has a three mission star restaurant and the most celebrated bouillabaisse in the world. I think it starts at like 300 euros. So I think that that'll be a cool time to go. Okay. Yes. It's less colorful. There's not as much, but let's all put our heads together yeah. and think about what we, can do mm -hmm. and find a way to maybe take these dishes and put our own little walla walla idea on it you know my own take on it see how people like it you know we'll have venison and all this incredible stuff yes. i'm actually quite excited for it to be honest i know it'll be more challenging than summer because there's a bit less of variety mm -hmm. perhaps but if anything like for me as a young chef like that's a challenge for me and I, there's like that's a huge window of opportunity i can't wait to like research it and learn and we've already started making our own kombuchas and vinegars so we're pickling and we're you know, obviously um, preserving our tomatoes and all the other stuff. So um, I think that winter is, as it also slows down a little bit, as it's difficult, might be a little bit more difficult produce wise, we also have more time to kind of experiment and test things. And, you know, I love to ask my cooks, you know, I've got Sergio who has this incredible Latin background and um, Dylan who loves Japanese food, me, French, Chinese, and some Spanish. And so you know, it doesn't have to be so cookie cutter French. Yeah. And so that's during so that great time, though, to have cool. all of a melting those. Pot. So yeah, all, all different kinds of people, cultures coming mm -hmm. together, working. That's how, that's how great things happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they know they always have a say or an opinion, you know, at the end of the day, it is my menu, but the more brains that are on it, the only better it could go. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we take every opinion or every idea. Right. Cause then it, kind of creates this erosion of the point of the menu. But when I show them the idea of the next menu a few weeks out, I always go, what do you think about this? You know, what do you, what do you feel? How do you feel? Is there something that you want to learn specifically? I'll put it on the menu so we can do it. Is there, and that's, that's how we do it. They wanted to learn about bouillabaisse. And so we put it on the menu and we did it. That's what we have this week. We have a Pacific Northwest. We've got panko mussels with coho. So it's not a traditional Marseille. Yeah. There's no turbot. There's none of that, but it's bouillabaisse from here. here. Exactly. Yeah. Halibut, coho salmon, and panko mussels. <sighs> Gosh, again, so. should have eaten lunch before the show. I'm going to get, like, I'm going to eat right after this. It's like lunchtime. So. I have some extra alumni in the, in the fridge. Oh, some like, tomatoes okay. if you need. Yeah, oh yeah. My gosh. yeah. Always. I stock up. So. Girl, that's, no I, I eat that so much at home. Um, well, gosh, I can't believe are we. Yeah, we are closing in um, on an hour. <laughs> I, this went by so fast. You've been, This has been so great to sit down with you. Tell me before we go, um, and you may laugh because you have been here like less than what, two months, three months? Have you had time to get out to any, <laughs> any wineries or restaurants? Is there any uh, local love to spread around or are you just, you've been working so hard, I know you may have. No, there's a lot of local love to be around. Um, I don't get as much time now that we're open, but Dan Amy on my onboarding week made sure to let me, to allow me to like go out. So um, I got to meet, you know, 
Island and I got to eat at Saffron, uh, which was an incredible experience. We loved it. Um, We went to Valdemar Estates. That was also really, we were graciously hosted there. Hadaways. So right after they came in to dine here, the only reason I hadn't dined there yet was because I couldn't get a reservation, which is such a compliment to our restaurant. Yes. So Tom and I actually, um, this was a couple weeks ago to thank our whole dining team because it has been quite a project. Um, We actually invited them all out to Hadaways, cocktails, wine, Uh. a lot of food. And we had an incredible experience. They were very gracious to us. Um, that was really, I loved it. Um, Brasserie Four was great. Um, that's one of my yeah, that's probably my um, favorite spot right now in town. It changes. I've got a Brasserie few, Four. but like yeah. it is such a special little. I mean, and really this coming great. from you know the French woman. So no, I had and, I had their chicken pate, and I was I was just it was so it was so good. It was just everything that they make there is really great. Have you had the steak frites? Um, I didn't. I think my friend got it. Um, I had a poulet frites though with a sous vide chicken, and yeah. it was delicious. It was incredible. It's 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 wonderful. We've been there. I mean, we've been here a year. We've probably been there a, a dozen, or maybe more times. It's a yeah. yeah. It, you didn't spend a lot of time in Seattle, but it very much reminds me of Le Pichet by yeah, Pike yeah. Place Market. Yeah, Le Pichet, or even um, Cafe Campagne yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's no, very really little. great. Mm-hmm. Um, T Max, obviously, obviously, yeah. both Tom and Jose have been really gracious. Um, we've been there a couple times. And they're what a beautiful restaurant Lovely too food, and cocktails. just great service too it's Amazing. like the whole package too it's just you know Very we're talking good. about like beautiful. food is obviously important in the dining experience but hospitality is so much more than that and yeah. like when you have people like on this team like team at you know that understand yeah. you know that it's that there's so many pieces like that's when yeah. that's again when you get like a truly great experience from start to finish and um i i could not be more excited to have you here <laughs> Thank and, you. and having the, the restaurant here at abeja open now um, you know, again, very established winery, but this has added just a really, really, I think, important um, place to Walla Walla in the food, in, in, for, for food because there there really wasn't anything like it. It is special occasion. It's coarse. Um, it's super elevated. But again, Thank it's you. I can't remember what you said. It's it's that's not it's not presumptuous, but it is elevated, and uh, it's it's just a lovely experience to come Thank have you so if much. you're if you're in the area. Make your reservations if you're you know, planning to come to Walla Walla, I could not recommend this spot more for a special occasion or, you know, you're all out Mm -hmm. night, um, come taste wine before, or just do the wine, the wine pairing with your meal and check their website too. If you want to look into lodging here, it's again, like we're saying, we're just sitting here in the most beautiful spot overlooking the garden and the pond and the tasting room. We're sitting right on the deck of it. It is it's just a beautifully restored and very, uh, very special place. And, and we are, I know they're glad to have you. We're, we're <laughs> glad to have you in Walla Thank Walla. You so how, how was your first podcast? Do you think, did you, I liked it. I don't know why I was so nervous. No, I, you did I actually great. forgot it was a podcast. I was just looking at you. No, yeah. Like we're hanging great. out. We're just talking. And now I feel like I know I, this was so much fun. No, this is really fun. Elodie, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I super appreciate it. You guys can, can catch Elodie here at Abeja. I'll, I'll link all their, all their stuff in the description so you can make reservations and follow them on instagram and all that good stuff elodie thank you so much thank you so much 